like the Buffalo Bills. What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English, joined by my co-host, Andrew Oroch. We are back with another episode, and it has been quite the week once again in the Buffalo sporting world. We have the Buffalo Bisons being back. They won their first game. The bands are still steamrolling in the NLL. Um, Stefan Diggs finally gets paid, and the Sabres continue to surprise people. They just beat the Hurricanes, one of the top teams in the NHL. We get to talk about RJ Knight, which was just a spectacle in itself. Um, but before we do that, Andrew, how's your week going? How is your Buffalo sports, uh, you know, everything that's going on? How you feeling? The Buffalo sports experience. Yeah. Uh, It's a crazy time to be alive right now. It really is. I mean, everything you talked about, right? Bills are making moves. We lock in digs. We get rid of that drama and ridiculousness on Twitter. So we can pause that for now. Um, Sabres are rolling. They're hot. It's been right. Another one of these emotional kind of weekends last weekend. The team is flying. The boys are looking great. Bandits, they did lose this past weekend, um, but that was it was their fourth game in eight nights. They were tired. They just looked gassed, right? They're banged up. Um, they don't play again until uh, Saturday evening, so it's okay. And and they only lost by one goal, right? Had a chance to tie it up late too, so nothing to be worried about there. It is going to happen. They were going to lose a game, but they are uh, 13 and two now. So they're still rolling. They're still favorites in the NLL, right? Bison's won on opening day. Um, so it's, uh, it's fun. It's a fun time, isn't it? Yeah. And you know, it's even more fun. What I'm about to read you right. in the last month and a half, the Sabres have won games against the flames, Vegas, Toronto twice, the Hurricanes, Canucks, Predators, Penguins, and Wild. Is that good? <laughs> I like we're talking, we're not talking about borderline playoff teams. I mean, I guess in the case of Vegas, you can say that <laughs> and the Canucks, yep. but I mean, we're talking about legitimate Stanley Cup contenders that Buffalo is hanging in. And in some cases, even dominating periods against these teams and finding ways to win. Um, Let's go back to last week when they played the Predators quick. Mm -hmm. Emotional game. RJ Knight. First and foremost, let me just shout out my co-host real quick. Because ESPN screwed up. They didn't put any of the like RJ pregame ceremony like at all on so i'm in florida so i'm not seeing anything i got home from work late i'm just trying to watch this and my great co-host andrew gets me to log in so i can watch msg and get the full experience um as someone who obviously grew up in buffalo one of the reasons i do this podcast is because i love just talking about sports and want to get into broadcasting and Rick Jenneret is like one of my biggest inspirations in life. So like that ceremony, the sellout crowd, like the fact that everyone realized, you know what? Yes. The team has been asked for the last 10 years. We don't love the Pagulas, which they booed them a little bit when they first introduced him. Um, but they came together for the common good. And the one, you know, good piece that the Sabres have had over the last 51 years, the good, the bad, the ugly, the highest of highs, lowest of O's has always been RJ. So to see him get that ovation that he did, like Pagula didn't even get to talk for more than like two minutes because the crowd would just not stop cheering. It was awesome. It honestly brought tears to my eyes watching it. Um, it was something surreal. I wish I could have like been there in person to experience it. And then on top of that, Crazy first period. Peyton Krebs gets an unreal goal off a cousin shot, jumps into the boards, 
The boys are rocking. They find a way to beat the Predators in regulation for a team that is clawing, you know, to make sure they're staying in the playoffs. Like, that's not just a throwaway game for them. We've talked about them playing spoiler. It's exactly what they did. Bringing Rick out on the ice after just a surreal feeling. And as Kyle Oposo talked about to the young guys, and specifically when he was talking to Dylan Cousins of, you know, this is the show. Like, because of COVID and the team being bad, like these young players, the Krebs, the Cousins, the middle sets, really haven't seen the building full and now it's like, yes, welcome to what you're going to be accustomed to once we start winning. And to the fans' credit now, the last two to three games, like, no, they're not selling out, but they're putting up 11,000, 12,000 fans now compared to the seven, 8,000. So they are starting to draw people back in, continuing to put wins like they did against the Predators and the Hurricanes um, are going to only continue to do that for the rest of the year and hopefully build on that for next year. But maybe just your thoughts on RJ Knight as a whole, the team, and maybe one of your personal favorite RJ moments or calls that you remember growing up. Yeah. So RJ Knight was definitely one of those FOMO nights, right? Like I wish, I wish I could have been in Buffalo for it. Um, Like you said, I just got chills watching everything. I thought, the ceremony before was incredible. They did a really, really good job with it, um, right? They got that right. They didn't mess that up. I mean, they've messed that stuff up in the past, right? Remember with LaFontaine and the jersey that looked like it came from China and all the other just stuff that they fell short on. They finally got it right, which was nice, right? Like it feels like, hey, maybe this whole organization is turning the corner, Um and it was great to put it together for RJ, right? 51 years of being the voice of the Sabres, right? Like you said, he's the reason I fell in love with the Sabres. And right? I wasn't a big hockey fan until the 06, 07 run. Um, that's when I started paying attention more. And, right, it's his voice is synonymous with me being attached to the Sabres, right? Um, so, it was just awesome before. And then the game, right? I mean, the first period was incredible. Six goals in the first period, three to three going into the first period. And you're like, wow. Okay, here we go. And and to hear after Krebs scored that first goal, to hear that building, just like instant chills. I mean, it was so refreshing, right? It brings back the memories to the playoffs and when everything was, everyone was packed and excited. Um, and, and like you said, at the end, when they brought, rj out onto the ice and you see when they took the big group photo and you see team doctors and trainers and equipment managers and coaches everyone's running out to be part of the picture right like it's just like it warms your heart because it's like you know what hey this team gets it right we've been this past like month and a half two months you slowly have been starting to realize that hey they get it they understand what it means to be the Buffalo Sabres. They understand what it means to put on that jersey and to have that logo on their chest, right? The teams in the past and the piece of shit, they didn't get it. And that's why you have an empty arena, right? Or you had an empty arena. Um, But to see just the excitement on their faces and just – they're buying into what we have growing here and you're right. And, and they're getting rewarded, rewarded. And I mentioned it uh, in previous weeks that, Hey, it's not fair to them that they have to play in front of empty arenas, right? It's not their fault. Um, we need to go and support them. And it's nice that now it's starting to fill up a little more, right? Um, there's a handful of games left. Hopefully people will be like, Hey, you know what? Yeah. Let's go to the Sabres game tonight. Why not? Um, so very refreshing. It, it was great to watch. They're playing great hockey. They're getting better and better. They're playing spoiler, right? Like Carolina needed to win the other night in order to get into the playoffs and we beat them. Right. So we're playing that spoiler, right? We play them again uh, tonight, Thursday. Um, so, you know, but Hey, just keep going into these positions with that chip on your shoulder and something to prove. And, um, put on a good show the last month of RJ's career with you and uh, put on a show for the fans. And that's what they're going to do. That's what they've been doing. So um, I have no doubt 
good things are coming. And it's like I said, it's very heartwarming to see that, hey, this team gets it. They they finally get it. The organization is finally, I think, starting to get it. I mean, Don Granado is the right choice. Kevin Adams is the right choice, right? We've got our McBean now. Um, so I'm excited for the future. And I haven't said that in 10 years about the Sabres. So um, it's awesome. And then um, my favorite RJ call, hands down, has to be scary good. How the hell May Day won in the tournament they were doing on Sabres? Um, just yeah, highway robbery. Scary good, without a doubt, is his best call, if not one of the best calls in all sports. The moment, just what it meant for the team, what was happening next in the playoff, like it just – I mean, that's one of my earliest Sabres memories is scary good. I remember being in my living room, watching it happen. Um, yeah, that's his best, right? Like – and then as a kid, you would imitate him doing that call, right? Like you would do that call, pretend you're him. So yeah, that's hands down, scary good, RJ's best call. Yeah, and the thing too with this team, and it's like you said, with Granado and Adams, they've made it very clear as, you know, myself and a lot of others kind of chuckled originally when Adams gets introduced and he's like, I want people that, you know, live and breathe when they put on the Sabres uniform. And at that time, we had so much going on. It's like, all right, buddy, like, I get it. You're sucking up to the fans. Like, yeah, we just want to win games. Like, I don't really give a shit if they want to be or not. Like, we want to win. But now it's kind of like, no, like, he understands it. He's been here long enough. Granada mm-hmm. them are like, we understand why the fans haven't been here because we haven't been good, and it's on us to bring them back in. And even though we've been more consistent lately, Don Granado's like, we still have plenty of room to grow. I mean, even against the Panthers when they lost, really they took a couple bad penalties late when they were making a good run to come back. Like the Panthers have blown us out twice this year. And instead of putting our heads in between our legs and cowering away after we got down big early and it was like, oh boy, here we go again. They came back. They found a way to score a couple power play goals and they got right back in the game. And with these young guys just continuing to develop, the Cousins, the middle stats, finally getting rewarded. Middle stat has been starving for a goal, and he finally gets yeah. you know rewarded on that play. It's just awesome to see. And they're putting together big wins against big teams. My biggest thing with this team right now is that the moment doesn't seem too big for them for a young team. I mean, look at everything that's happened this year. I mean – the Vegas game, Jack's return, the outdoor game against the Maple Leafs, who you had just beaten, you know, pretty soundly a week back. It's like, oh, they're going to come out and wipe the floor with the Sabres. RJ Knight, you could have went out and laid an all-time stinker and just ruined the game. And then even Carolina, this is a team that, like Mike Harrington pointed out, we hadn't beaten them in almost six years or whatever it may be. And we beat them in regulation, and they're a top three team in the entire league. And we have a young roster and we're able to go out and find ways to win. And that's a super encouraging thing, I think, to build on, especially for next year that, you know, if they are able to put wins together next year, you know, in the past with a 10 game win streak, it all fluttered away. Well, this is what you're building for. This is win big games now. So next year when it happens or you go through a little bit of a slump, Hey, it's okay. We're, we're ready for the moment. Now we went through this last year. Like we had a chance to really just go off and try to go get another lottery pick and end up in the top three. No, we're going to go try to catch Columbus. Who's ahead of us by the end of the season. Like we're not caring about draft position right now. I mean, it was just a week ago. We were talking about we're six, eight points behind, you know, Detroit. And now we're tied with them with a chance to go ahead of them tonight. So just really great stuff um, by a team. And I completely agree. The scary good is hands down the best call he's ever had. I mean, how many street hockey times are you going out there and you're pretending you're Jason Pominville and you're scoring and everything like that. But um, kudos to the Sabres and hopefully they can continue this run, continue to put people in the building, especially because even though it was RJ Knight, it's not his last time calling the game. He still has a few more games to call. 
So definitely want to get out to the last few because it's probably going to be the last chance you're going to see. I'm sure he'll be around and whatnot, but your last chance to really hear him in person. So um, kudos to the Sabres for um, continuing to do great things. But as much as we love the Sabres, um, as always, you know, Doug Whaley, he likes to go around (laughs) and say some things on radio. Um, And then there's Big Baller Bean sliding the sunglasses on at 7 a.m. in the morning and just looking around the NFL and be like, eh, I'm just going to cause havoc today. And we can finally get off Twitter, as you said you wanted to last week. The, you know, the wait is over. It's all done. Stephon Diggs is going to be a bill for the rest of his career. So he says he adds an additional four years onto his current contract. So it's six years total. 104 million on the extension, 70 million guaranteed, second highest million guaranteed, only to Tyree Kill in the NFL. And, uh, you know, I think third or fourth overall as far as average per season above Devontae Adams as well. Um, a move that needed to be done. He's earned it. He's outplayed his contract. He is instrumental in why Josh Allen is Josh Allen. I don't, I don't want to say that Josh couldn't have become what he has now without Stephon Diggs, but if we would have went and added another different veteran wide receiver that wasn't him, I'm honestly not sure it would have had the same impact that Stephon Diggs has had, the charismatic personality, his will to win, um, you know, his leadership involvement over the last few years. Um, he's going to be instrumental to this team hoisting a Lombardi trophy next year, hopefully. And just another reason for players to come in and want to be a Buffalo bill when a guy like this wants to stay here. And he says that it's a family environment. He loves playing with the quarterback that he has and he's out recruiting Von Miller to come here. Um, and like you said, it's just a breath of fresh air of getting rid of all the cryptic tweets. There's no more worrying um, it's all about just the moment now. He Stefan digs a bill for at least another six years and probably the rest of his career. And it's kind of nice. And he was awesome in his press conference today, just talking about how much he truly loves being a Buffalo Bill and how much he loves Bill's Mafia and is so happy to be here. Yeah, him him saying he wants to retire a bill is awesome. Right. Like that's what you love to hear. Um, and I don't, I'm not one to buy the big name players jerseys. I will most likely be buying a digs Jersey this off season um, because of that. Right. Like that's all, that's what you want to hear. You want guys to stay here for their career. Um, and they did just that. Right. I, I didn't necessarily expect it to happen in this off season. I'm glad Bean got it done. Um, I figured he would. I I didn't think he was going to get traded or go to Dallas or whatever. Um, but to have it taken care of, um, you know, being after dark again, right? He works best at night, um, gets it done overnight, and um, you lock him in. And your offense is set for the rest of Josh and Diggs' career. So um, that's incredibly comforting, um, right? That Twitter drama is over. There's new Twitter drama brewing. Uh, we don't have to get into it. Um, but again, right, like there's a lot of money. There's a lot of checks Brandon Bean is signing right now. Um, so some hard, difficult decisions are coming, right? And we, we talked about it at the beginning of the offseason that, hey, there's some guys that you love, some household names that you want to see here for the rest of their career, right? You want them to retire a bill like Diggs is going to do. Um, it's probably just not going to happen, right? You can't, you can't sign everyone um, as much as you would love to and keep this team together as it is. It's not going to happen. Um, so we'll see what happens down the line. You've got some key players who need some money, deserve some money in the next year, two years. Um, so the structure is going to change, which is even more motivation and more reason to go out this year and win a Super Bowl with this roster. It can be done. It's most likely going to happen, right? It's the favorite outcome to happen in 
every Vegas sports book, every analysis uh, analyst size. So um, you got to do it right. One last year, go balls to the wall and, and make it happen. Um, being in the front office has made that happen, giving money to guys who they can and who deserve it. Um, so right now it's time for the players to go to work and get it done. So we'll see what happens, but yeah, very happy Diggs is here. That extension's done signed. Um, and we, uh, we get to add some young talent here at the end of the month with the draft. Yeah. Brennan being unloaded every single clip he had left in his guys <clears throat> off season, as far as I'm going out, we are going to win a super bowl this year. There's no more excuses for the bills. We've talked about before. They're not the fun Cinderella store anymore. You've been to the big games a few times. You've come up short against Kansas City twice. This is your, I'm going all in, go get Von Miller, bring back Stephon Diggs, go add these uh, other important guys like the Tim Settles of the world and the Jamison Crowders um, and bring back Isaiah McKenzie and whatnot. And Brandon Bean's done everything he can do to put this team in position to win a Super Bowl. Um, a lot of people are not questioning bringing back digs, but everyone's pointing out the, well, if you look at the last five Super Bowl winners, they haven't had, you know, a top five paid receiver other than like Tyreek Hill when he's on the Chiefs when they want it because it's been like Robert Woods was technically because Cooper Cup's done his rookie deal. He's about to get paid a ton of money too. Like it's such a false narrative to me. Like you need players like that in your locker room to win like yes the rams won and cooper cup's not getting paid a lot but the bills also aren't paying a defensive lineman like aaron donald like that much money i mean we're paying von miller a lot of money now but you get what i'm saying as far as that narrative they're going to keep driving it but um it's just i think this move also makes you wonder we haven't gotten the full cap numbers yet as far as are we going to save some money this year are we going to go add another veteran cornerback um, in free agency? Stephon Gilmore has been looming. Um, James Bradbury's a Giants rumor. Joe Hayden has been golfing with Von Miller. He's good friends with Stephon Diggs as well. So maybe that's the guy's guy I mentioned earlier in the offseason. Um, so still a lot to go. And like you said, we're not going to be able to pay everyone. There's going to come a time probably next year between – Edmonds and Oliver and Singletary, Knox, Jordan Poyer. Like there's a good chance that, you know, two of those guys aren't going to be Buffalo Bills, which also emphasizes why the draft is so important for this team right now, because one of the main reasons you're able to go pay Stefan Diggs and go get Avon Miller and pay Josh Allen and Tredavious White the amount of money they deserve is Brandon Bean has the ultimate confidence in himself that I can go into the draft, find meaningful talent in late rounds and get them to produce an extremely high level and fill the voids that we need. We've seen it with Dawson Knox. We've seen it with Gabriel Davis. We've seen it with Dane Jackson. He's able to find these guys in the late rounds, in the middle rounds to carve out big roles And I think Brandon Bean is truly banking on, okay, what do we have left? Cornerback is really the only glaring thing the Bills still need. Yes, we want to add another receiver, but we have a decent receiving core as is. Obviously, we're probably going to add another one in the draft, which we'll talk about in a minute. But he's pretty much betting that he's going to be able to draft well enough that with the team he put together, it's not going to matter that we're paying all these guys this much money because he's going to draft well enough to not only fill the roles this year, but if a tough decision does come with Edmonds or um, Dawson Knox or whoever, that his draft picture is going to be able to step in and fill whatever they may leave at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, we have the luxury of not having any glaring holes in this roster right now. So you have at least one, two years where you're not drafting to fill a hole. Like, yeah, secondary needs some help, but it's not going to be your Achilles heel. If you don't get a top five or top 10 
um, player to plug in there. Um, right. Wide receiver. Yes. It'd be nice to add some depth there, but you're not hurting at that position. You need some more bodies there, but you don't have to go out and find some top talent to fill that. So, um, they're in a good spot where they can play around a little bit, get creative. We know Bean <clears throat> will do everything he can in his power to put this team in the best position possible. So, um, yeah, I think this is a real unique draft for them to be in this position. Um, last year, right, they were able to just go out and grab best available. Um, they didn't really have to target and load up in one area or whatever. Right. And again, this is another spot where you really could just go grab best available, right? Like we've got our buckets. We want to focus on receiver, cornerback, linebacker, depending on what they're thinking, but um, you got a lot of options. You could trade up, you could trade back. You can, um, I don't know, get creative with it. So I'm excited to see what he does. I'm, I mean, we're definitely not as smart as Brandon Bean is. So, you know, as we talk through these mock drafts, uh, who knows if it's going to be any, anywhere near what they, they're thinking or what they do. But Take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> true. You never but, know what he's thinking. He has his values on what he's willing to give up to move up, to go back. Does he want to maybe move back a couple spots at the end of the first and try to move up in the second to get two valued players to add to the roster? We don't know. The one thing I am curious with the draft is I think based on who they select in the first two rounds, you're going to have a gauge as far as what are they thinking about Edmonds and the potential Poyer development we'll talk about next week as far as do they think these are guys they need to replace and they also just need to add the depth for you know this year anyway. Are they going to go get a cornerback or trade up because there's a high chance of one of the top three, four guys are probably not going to get there to 25. And if they don't take a receiver, like a lot of us want them to in the first two, three rounds, I think that signifies that you're going to see a lot of double tight end set this year with OJ Howard and Dawson Knox on the field. So um, really interesting development for the draft. Um, we're going to go through right now. We're going to do three rounds um, just because of digs development, everything else. Um, we'll get a, a full seven round mock draft, a little bit closer to the draft time, um, probably next week, actually. But first three rounds, me and Andrew both kind of just going to give two to three players that we're looking at, you know, if we think they're actually going to be available. Um, when I was looking through, I, based on, I mean, I've probably done 50 mock drafts at this point on 15 different sites, but I've kind of just narrowed mine down to the most consistent players I've been seeing when it comes to my pick for the Bills. Like, I'm not sitting here thinking, oh, um, you know, McCreary from LSU, the cornerback, or Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati. There's no chance those guys are falling to 25. As great as they would be a cornerback fit for the Bills, there's no chance unless they trade up, those guys are falling. So that's kind of how I did mine. You might have did yours a little different. Um, I'll let you start with a few players that if the Bills are sitting at 25, you know, what players are you looking at and which way would you like to see them go as far as corner, safety, linebacker, receiver? Okay, so I'm definitely not as in-depth as you are. I'll tell you that much right now, but – So this is how I'm thinking about the first round. I think there's a couple ways this goes. If things with Poyer go sour by the end of the month, and we've heard already there's rumors that the Bills are willing to move a veteran player who is going to be due money soon, right? That's been out there for a few weeks now. There was speculation that it was Edmonds, I wonder if it's not Poyer. So here's what I'm thinking. I think you trade Jordan Poyer and move up to the top 10, top seven, maybe if you can pull it, and you go grab Kyle Hamilton. 
He's been high on a lot of Bill's boards. There's a lot of noise about how he would be a great fit for this defense. Brought him in uh, for a pre-draft workout as well this past week. Yep, exactly. Um, the Bills are spending a lot of interviews on guys in the secondary. So I think that's a possibility, right? You move them to, I don't know, maybe it's someone like the Giants. Um, or uh, Jack, you're not going to be able to get to Jacksonville, but um, Atlanta's up there, I think, right? So maybe you try to do that. Poyer goes, he gets a big contract, gets what he wants, right? You'd love to keep him, but he's 31. He's demanding money, which he deserves. He deserves it, um, but probably can't pay it. So then you go and you immediately get his replacement. Um, So I think that's an option. Or another trade is... um, Oh, that's what I had, right? So Poyer and 25 for Bradbury and seven with the Giants, and you get Kyle Hamilton. I think that could happen, right? I mean, it's it's a lot of moving parts. I don't know if uh, Shane goes for it, if the Giants go for it, but, I mean, it's possible, right? And that's that's why I'm saying, right, like they can get creative with this. They've got a lot of moving parts. Um, so, I don't know, we'll see. But there's moves. I, I don't – I wouldn't be surprised if they try to make a move, right? Or you trade Edmonds – and you try to get to top 10 and you grab a stud linebacker. Um, crap. Where does his name go? Hold on. Uh, like Nicobe Dean or Quay Walker. Quay Walker might be a little um, stretched there for top 10, but um, Devin Lloyd's another big name up there in the first. So if you're willing to move one of these veterans to save money and get younger, get cheaper, I'm okay with it. Um, right. If you do it in the name of I'm going to trade you, but I'm going to turn around and grab your replacement right away. I'm OK with them doing that with their first pick. Yeah, I think those options, I think of the two, Edmonds is the more likely to be moved only because to me, as much as the speculation is with Poyer, honestly, I don't think it's much about him as it is about some counterparts that he's affiliated with, but, um, and I also just don't know, like, yes, he deserves to get paid and the bill should pay him for, you know, a two year extension and maybe just give him a lot of guarantees. Cause he doesn't have a lot of time left anyway, but does he really want to go? I mean, are you willing to sacrifice a chance at a super bowl to go be on a middle of the pack or mediocre team just cause you want some more money at the end of your career? That's up to you. I don't think that's how, who he is, but, you never know. Um, I also just don't know that his value is that. I mean, we're talking about a 31-year-old. I mean, you saw Khalil Mack just go for like a third-round pick. I mean, I know he has a lot more yeah. money. I just don't think you're going to be able to move up that high with Poyer, even if you throw in 25. I think you could get up into the teen range, but I don't know if you could actually crack top 10. Edmonds is a little different because of the age um, and whatnot. Yeah, that's true. I guess, I guess as a Bills fan, right, you put more um, value in him because, right, you know what he's done for you. But I mean, there's not that notoriety around him. So that's fair. Um, So, I mean, if you don't make those moves, though, then you just wait for 25 and you hope that like Trent McDuffie or CJ Booth fall to you. Right. I mean, I'm, I was on the wide receiver with, with the first round pick. But I mean, if, if they're not going to sign like, Joe Hayden or make a trade for Bradbury, then I, I think you got to go secondary with the first pick and see who can fall to you. If you're not going to bounce around. I am all aboard the first round wide receiver train. Um, I think it's never a bad thing to give Josh Allen too many receivers and weapons. I also think that people also need to understand as much as our wide receiving room is one of the best in the NFL with Stefan Diggs and emerging Gabriel Davis, a good slot system with Crowder and um, James or, and Isaiah McKenzie, and you have Dawson Knox and OJ Howard. We saw what happened last year, Trey white. I'm not wishing an injury upon anyone, but if one of those guys goes down, you are in significant trouble. I mean, 
we all love Jake Kumaro, but Jake Kumaro isn't stepping in and getting you 30, 40 catches on a year. I mean, you're talking about replacing a Beasley and a Sanders with, you know, almost 200 receptions worth of targets. And James Crowder is a great fill, but he hasn't always been healthy the last few years. I love to see Gabriel Davis and Isaiah McKenzie step up and they've proven that when they've been given opportunities that they can be productive, but we haven't seen it over a full season work of work. So to me, go out, add another guy because Crowder's only going to probably be here for a year or two anyway. Like McKenzie's only on a two-year deal. Gabriel Davis is going to be due a contract in a few years as well. Wide receiver and cornerback are those positions where you need to maximize their value because you have them on four or five-year deals at very cheap money. That's why it's always been talking about you never pay a running back because you can go find that production um, in later rounds. I'm hoping they get a Joe Hayden Bradbury type. To me, if that happens, I'm all in on wide receiver. The name I'm looking at is Chris Olave um, from Ohio State. I think he is an electric route runner. I think he has great hands. I think he needs to be a little bit more consistent with – I don't think he is great at yards after catch. I was looking at his Ohio State numbers, and Joe Marino was talking about it on Locked on Bills as far as for his speed and stuff. He doesn't get as much yard after catch as you would like, which is something the Bills really need. Um, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State's another guy. Um, Cornerback-wise, I really like Booth. I just don't know if he's going to fall – if it gets to the point where he's at that 18 to 20 range and he's still there, I'm okay with giving up a second next year or something to move up to get him. Um, if they're on the board to me, uh, Kyler Gordon is the name I'm kind of looking at um, from Washington. He's a cornerback that I'm really intrigued by. Uh, a lot of the other cornerbacks, Elam from Florida, I'm not as high on as some other people. I like McDuffie as well, but I'm not sure he's going to get there. Um, either Booth and Gordon are kind of the guys um, I'm mostly looking at. Um, and the other cornerback that's kind of been rumored, he's kind of been going up draft boards, and I guess the Bills have had some interest in him, is Tariq Woolen from UTSA. His name's kind of been throwing around there. He is similar to Gregory Rousseau from the standpoint of he's just very raw at his position, but he has a ton of athleticism and they think he can be a stud. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if he's there. And I also think if some of those guys start to fall, I wouldn't be surprised if Bean tries to maybe move back a pick or two and double up with a high second rounder and low end first rounder and try to kind of tag team that. Um, but those are the guys I'm kind of looking at for the first round, and it's kind of similar to second round, I think cornerback wide receivers where they need to go. Um, once you get into the second round, it's a little bit harder to um, distinguish. But if you're looking at Edmonds, trying to distinguish if he's going to be the guy or not, um, I'm looking at Chad Muma from Wyoming in the second round. Maybe he's a guy that can come in and be a solid third guy for them now and maybe a replacement. Um, it's pretty hard to tell. And then John Mechie's another guy, second, third round wide receiver. Um, if you don't go, I mean, Jamison Williams is the guy that said he wants to play with Josh Allen, but I don't think there's any way he makes it to 25, even with um, the ACL tear. Running backs have also been thrown around a lot. I'm personally not um, in that camp as far as who they should be going after in the first two rounds, but um, to me, second round, I'm looking at receivers and cornerbacks. Again, the only running back I think I might consider in the second round if he was there is either Brees Hall or Isaiah Spiller because um, they have some tremendous upside and a second round's not terrible on them. I'm not going to pick a running back in the first round. Um, but for the first two rounds at least, um, those are kind of the guys that I'm looking at personally. Yeah, so – okay, so the first round, right, I – I think you go cornerback if you don't sign a free agent. You go yeah. cornerback, right? We've talked about some scenarios. Then in the second – and I think another reason why you can do secondary in the first round because the wide receiver class I think is pretty, deep, pretty deep, right? Like yep. It can get you into the end of day two. Um, and a guy that maybe you want will fall to you. Um, 
so one of those guys that I, I really like is Jahan Dot, uh, Dotson, Jahane Jahan Dotson. He's Penn out of Penn State. State. Yep. Um, he's been compared um, to Emmanuel Sanders, right? He's fast. Um, Jahan, Jahan Dotson, I looked it up. Um, right. He's fast. He's got speed. He can play every level on the field. You, you put him in the slot. You can put him outside. Um, I think, it, right, again, we lost Emmanuel Sanders. We talk about replacing veterans or guys that have to leave the team. I think that'd be a great pickup for this team, right? We've talked about adding speed, stretching the field for Josh, giving more options. This is a great way to do this. Um, his route running is smooth. It's crisp, right? It could be a nice compliment to Gabe, Dave, and Diggs, what they're able to do. Um, so I, I think that's a great option. I don't think he's going to go early, right? You should be able to sit back at 57 and have this guy fall to you. Um, so I think it's going to be a great option. Another option, if they want to wait till the day two to get a uh, wide receiver, I think it's Drake London out of USC. Um, he's got comparisons to um, similar to Beasley in the sense that like, he's a big slot presence. He can play outside. He can play slot. Um, he's able to slow the game down and figure out what he needs to do to get open for his quarterback, which that was huge with Beasley, right? I, when Josh was in trouble or scrambling, where would his eyes go? He'd try to find Beasley in the middle of the field. Um, so he's really good at turning those 50, 50 balls into possessions um, and taking advantage of uh, moves like that. So um, I think that's another option for them as far as uh, receivers concerned. Um, and then Olave, Right. I agree with you. I think he'd be a good fit. I don't, he's not going to be there day two. So if you don't want to go wide receiver, um, then there's a couple linebackers that'll probably still sit out there for you. Um, Quay Walker might still be there. Devin Lloyd will be gone. Um, but I just, I think one, two, three, you got to pick up a linebacker, receiver, cornerback, not in that order, but. Um, so yeah, that's what I think for two, I think two, you go wide receiver. If the guy you want is there, if not grab a linebacker, there's enough depth there that you can get, um, a pretty good talent, um, in the second round. Yeah. Um, completely agree. I think that, you know, I like, uh, the Penn state wide receiver a lot. He's kind of in that late first round, early second round kind of tier. So it might be especially where the Bills have to move up. Um, I like Drake London a lot. I don't know if he's necessarily going to make it out of day one, but if he somehow does, um, I would definitely try to move up. Um, third round, a couple guys I specifically been looking at because I've been seeing them pretty much left for every mock draft I've done. Um, Cam Taylor Britt, cornerback from Nebraska, I think the Bills should be looking to double up at corner early in the draft if they can't go out and get a veteran corner because we don't know if Trey's going to be ready for opening day. If he's on the physical night before us, he's going to miss the first six games. Do you really think you can make it with Dane Jackson? And right now Cam Lewis is your number two um, going all the way through. Um, I think they obviously know that. I don't doubt that Brandon Bean's going to go out and get someone. Um, one of the biggest wild cards in the draft is Matt uh, Ariza. I think I'm pronouncing it right. The punter from San Diego State. He's like the punt guru. Like he literally has like third and fourth round grades because like he's unreal. Like great holder, like elite, elite punter. Like is that a position where you're already not thrilled with Matt Hawk do you trade back up at the late end of a third round to get a guy like that if he's there to try to really just go all in um I know that's kind of crazy to talk about but like that's a legitimate um possibility and there's always the um interior offensive line we've talked about it. you can never have enough offensive linemen from Boston College Eric Lindstrom's a guy I like um in the third round if he's sitting there um Brian Robinson and Josh Joby both playing at Alabama running back and cornerback. Um, I think 
third round running back wouldn't be the worst idea. I think Robinson is still pretty raw, but I think he'd actually be a good complement to Singletary because they're kind of polar opposites of how they run. Um, so that's a couple other guys. And then the last guy that I've heard a lot about, and I don't necessarily think he'll be there um, in the third round as far as when they would want to draft him, trying to pull his name up because I don't want to get it wrong. Um, but it was another running back a little bit farther down um, the list. Sorry for a little bit of the pause there. But uh, James Cook, Georgia, I don't know why I thought it. they brought him in for a workout. Dalvin Cook's brother, obviously. Good production at Georgia, but they were, have always been kind of that three-headed monster. Another player that's kind of raw. He's in that third to four-round range. He's been in Buffalo this past week for a workout. Um, I don't think he would be an awful pick um, in the third round either. Again, I think all of our picks and guys we're talking about is all going to be dictated on whether or not Brandon Bean brings in another veteran cornerback. And then based on whoever they pick in round one, I think that completely dictates who goes after them. So um, it's pretty hard to gauge which way they're going to go because they are a good team right now, like you said. So they're kind of just picking best player or what they really think the value is um, at this time. But those are some of the players that I'm looking at for the third round, at least. Yeah. So for mine in the third round, I had two guys. One was punt God. Um, I would love to add him. I, and I don't even care that you use a third round pick on a punter. I mean, he can make that big of a difference, right? Like remember back to the drought days when one of your best players was Brian Mormon, right? Like you need that. Um, so in the off chance that we do have to punt the ball, you don't want to risk Matt Hawk having a bad day and just shanking it into the crowd. Um, so, so I'm, I'm all in on using the third round pick on, on a punter. The other option at linebacker, um, and this is a name that I haven't really seen anywhere. Um, Jojo Doman, um, he is out of Nebraska. He's a linebacker. Um, there's been comparisons between him and Matt Milano, right? So he is a hard-nosed, aggressive tackler, incredibly smart. He studied quantum physics at Nebraska. Um, super smart dude, knows what he's supposed to do, can handle his own in the middle of the field. Um, and like I said, like I, I haven't seen his name really anywhere. Um, I just came across it when I was scrolling through um, – Oh, uh, linebackers uh, on NFL.com. And I looked into him and just he's watched some of his highlights from Nebraska. And this dude is physical. He's aggressive. Like I said, super smart, doesn't over pursue, doesn't overcommit, um, compares to uh, Matt Milano. So I think it'd be a great addition, right? Like, do you want two players that do the same thing? Maybe not, but that added aggression add some leadership onto the defense, I think would be a great, uh, great, especially if, right, you got to bounce things around. Maybe you can't sign I mean, that Milano or whatever. Well, and Milano's had some injuries the past few years. Exactly. I know we just re-signed him, but, I mean, you never yeah. know what's going to happen either. So I like that call too. And punt God, I mean, this is also a player, I mean, we're talking about if you were to start over, like, all teams in the NFL, like a guy like Justin Tucker – would be going in the top two rounds because of how valuable he is and he's automatic. Like if you can automatically get great inside the 20 good holder for Tyler Bass and be able to punt in the conditions, especially in Buffalo, I don't see the harm in doing that. And the one thing with corner that I'm interested in with the bills is we've always been talking about how the bills need to get faster at corner to catch up to the chiefs. Well, obviously Tyreek Hill's in your division now. So, like, are they going to draft for that? Are they going to draft more for if they have to face a Denver, a Oakland, or excuse me, Vegas, where you're going against Devontae Adams, the Cortland Suttons of the world? Or are you going to continue to go after, all right, well, now we have to play Tyreek Hill twice a year. And, and when we do play Kansas City, we still have to deal with McCall Hardman and now Valdez Scantling and Juju. So I think it's interesting to see what the Bills do um, from that standpoint as well, too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So a lot to dissect. Like I said, take that with a grain of salt. It really is going to depend 
on what Brandon Bean um, does in the next, you know, coming weeks or so. Um, so, but those are still some great names to kind of go look at. Um, so definitely go fill out your mock draft. See if you can, I know NFL.com does one every year trying to predict who's going to go when and whatnot. The draft's still a little bit away, April 28th. So we still got a few weeks. We'll get a full mock um, here in the next week or two. Go watch Sabres tonight. They got another battle against the Hurricanes. Bandits are coming up on their playoffs. The Bisons are back. Go check them out if you're in Buffalo. Um, they're going to be fun to watch. The Blue Jays, who they're the farm club of, they're going to be one of the best teams in the uh, AL this year. So a um, lot to be excited about, again, in Buffalo. Stephon Diggs is a bill forever. As he said, I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> He's happy to be here. Um Everyone can put their hands off their Twitter, not to worry about cryptic tweets anymore. Now everyone can go focus on Debo Samuel and how he unfollowed the 49ers and removed a bunch of pictures. And you can go figure out what he's trying to do. Don't have to worry about that anymore. Alan Diggs, Von Miller, Trey White. The Bills are going all in. The Sabres are fun to watch. The Bandits and Bisons are both going to be good. The Bandits are going to hopefully raise another banner for Buffalo. Um, all is well um, right now. And yeah. I'm sure Andrew will be on to Bandit Land again relatively soon. Oh, I will be there for the first playoff game. Um, it's actually Mother's Day weekend, so perfect perfect excuse. Hey, Mom, um, come to this game. <laughs> I'm not coming home for Mother's Day. You think I am. But, um, but no, Bandits do play Saturday at 5, and it's on ESPN2. Uh, so you don't have to have ESPN Plus to watch them. They're on regular ESPN too. So uh, we're playing the Riptide who stink. So it'll be another nice little bounce back game. Get back to the winning ways uh, after a nice week long break. So, and if you're really into hockey tonight, also Owen powers playing final four, Ryan Johnson, Portillo, all those guys and Rochester, Paterka and Quinn lighten it up down there. Give them a watch. Um, But yeah, a lot to be excited about Sabres. Just it's a good time to be a fan. The Masters are on. Tigers playing well today. Mm-hmm. So just a great sports, great sports time to be alive. Baseball's officially back today. So, and then obviously March Madness just ended. So just playoffs are coming up for NBA too. Just great time for sports in general. But uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in. Like I said, next week we'll dive a little more um, maybe in the draft once we get some more clarifications on some other things we'll maybe digest a little more in the Jordan Poyer um, fiasco that's sort of going on with Twitter. If that's what you maybe want to turn your bills, Twitter attention do um, if you aren't blocked by certain individuals, but um, <laughs> hope everyone is staying safe and healthy. We appreciate everyone's support. Please give us a follow on Instagram at English Encore podcast. This has been English Encore podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. Allen and Diggs, no one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills.